This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Welcome again to the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church. My name's Mark Vance. Good to be with you. And we are in part three of a series of podcasts that we're doing really around the the subject of homosexuality and what the scripture speaks to. And if you haven't uh, listened to the first two podcasts, I, I commend you to kind of go back. We tried to take a brief look over the biblical and historic Christian position around homosexuality. We looked at really the strongest argument, which is not the particular texts of Scripture that address homosexuality, but understanding the entirety of the storyline of the biblical narrative, that God's teaching about human sexuality can be described as one man, one woman, one flesh for life, and that that's not just found in a few passages of Scripture, it is inside of the biblical vision of what sexuality is about. But then last podcast, we took a bit of time, went through the five key texts in Old and New Testament that speak specifically to the question of homosexuality and landed on this summary in line with the historic teaching of the Christian church that the Bible universally forbids homosexual practice as sin, that sexual activity is to be between a man and a woman inside of marriage. Therefore, homosexual activity, along with all other forms of sexual activity outside of those God-designed boundaries violate God's created order and are sinful. The next couple podcasts, we're going to approach this question, though, a little bit differently, because I know that teaching those, while people might be able to follow along with the biblical logic, sometimes it just feels cruel. So, With this podcast, we want to talk particularly to a person who may struggle with same-sex attraction, who feels like it's just natural to me, though, as a person, to live a life where I'm, I'm living as a homosexual. How could Jesus love me and then just condemn this part of what feels so natural to me? Why would I need to fix something that doesn't feel broken to me? This whole thing of the biblical teaching is cruel. That's an objection that I get from a number of people. And I want to start kind of in this first podcast, we're going to talk from the perspective of what does the Bible say and what does this Christian story of the gospel say to someone who struggles with same-sex attraction? And then in the next podcast, we're going to try to walk through what does the gospel call us to do as we try to love our friends and our neighbors, our family members who are living a homosexual lifestyle? What do we do as Christians to live faithfully there? So, This first one, though, I want to talk particularly answering the question of what does the Bible say to those who struggle with same-sex attraction? And to start here, I want to start with a story out of the Gospels, out of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. It's a story called the story of the rich young ruler, often. And in Luke 18, verse 18, a young ruler comes to Jesus and says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. I've kept all of these from my youth, he said. When Jesus heard this, he told him, You still lack one thing. Sell all you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. 
After he heard this, he became extremely sad because he was very rich. Seeing that he became sad, Jesus said, How hard it is for those who have great wealth to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Then who can be saved? He replied to them, What is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, Look, we've left what we had and followed you. He said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left a house or wife or brothers or sister, parents or child, because of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many more times at this time and eternal life in the age to come. The story of the rich young ruler reminds us that there is a cost to following Jesus. In the case of this rich young ruler, while he had kept the commandments of God, what he truly clung to in his heart was not following the kingdom of God and following Jesus as Savior. What was truly his Lord, Savior, and King was his wealth. And so in order to grasp onto Jesus, the gospel called him first to repent of that wealth he had, the love of money, the care of possessions. He had to let go of those things to follow Jesus. That's true of the gospel story for all of us. The invitation of Jesus is to come to him with our brokenness, our pain, our struggle, our sin, but not to hold on to our sin, but to repent, to turn from what we cling to in order to follow Christ. There is always a cost to following Jesus. We'll come back to that story, but I want us to keep that as the backdrop of our frame of reference. Because when we think about the good news of the gospel, and it's offered to a person who may struggle with homosexual practice or same-sex attraction, I want to be clear about what the gospel offers us and what it doesn't. You see, the good news of the gospel, sometimes when we tell the biblical story of the good news, we can use different perspectives. One of the ones I like to do is talk about the gospel in the air or the overall story of the gospel how God created everything good, everything has fallen because of sin. One day through Jesus, he will redeem and restore and make all things new because of his resurrection life. That's the good news for everything cosmically. But that good news story reminds us that because we live in a world that isn't just created by God and beautiful, it is fallen and sin-cursed, we should expect aspects of our experience in the world to be broken. You know, because of the fall, because of the sin curse, we have genetic disorders. We have stillborn babies. We have cancer. We have wars. And inside of our own hearts, because we are born not just affected by the sin curse, but participating in it down to our bones, down to our very genetic line, what happens is we have, as human beings, many things that then may feel natural to us, but that are called sinful by God. I find it totally, totally normal when people say to me, but Mark, I only feel same-sex attraction. That's what feels natural to me. I say, that's, that's entirely possible because the Bible says all of us have a part of us that's called our sinful flesh. It is corrupted by sin, which means there will be things that people who are corrupted by sin say, that feels totally natural to me that are against God's laws because what determines good and right and morally valuable isn't my internal feelings, but God's external standards. Living in a sin-cursed world means 
all of us have to grapple with the reality that our sinful flesh wants things that feel natural to us but that are forbidden by God. That's hard news, but it's real news. So for those who say, I've only struggled, I've never felt attraction to a person of an opposite sex, I find that a totally normal thought. It's a painful one, but it's a reality that happens in a sin-cursed world. But the story of the good news is not just a story of the sin curse, it's also the promise that one day God will redeem and restore and remake absolutely everything that sin has broken. Which means, if you are struggling in this 70 years of life with what feels unnatural to you in obeying God's call, if you will trust in Jesus, one day you'll be made new in an eternity. The beauty of eternity is we will always and forever only long for what is right. It's almost impossible to think about, but think about that. In the new heavens and new earth, you will only want what is good if you've been reborn and resurrected in Jesus. You won't struggle with the sinful flesh because that will have been fully and finally gotten rid of in our resurrection bodies. So the good news of creation is that the struggle that you face in temporary nature to say no to self in order to say yes to Jesus is not a struggle you'll face forever. Jesus will make that new. He could make that new in this life, but he promises ultimately to make it new in a life to come. That is a hope you can cling to. Another way to think about the good news of the gospel is to look at it not just as the gospel in the air, but the gospel on the ground, in the simple daily acts of our personal life. And in that way, we see the biblical story as a story of love, that God loved the world so much that he sent his son to live the life we could never live to die a death we deserve to die, to pay the penalty for our sins so that he could offer to us forgiveness and through his resurrection, he could offer to us a new life in him filled with his spirit and hoping ultimately in the hope of glory to come. We can be part individually of God's kingdom if we turn from our sins to trust in Jesus. But the invitation of that biblical story, the way we become part of the good news of what God is doing and remaking all things is that we have to turn from our sins to place our faith in Jesus. If you are a person who struggles with living a life of greed, the call of Jesus is not to be a greedy Christian. The call of Jesus is to repent of greed. Not just in one moment, but over the course of your lifetime, again and again, if you see what is natural to you in wanting money, to turn from the love of money to embrace the love of God and generosity. The call of the gospel is to turn from the sin of lust to actually pursue selfless love, to see another person not as an object to be wanted, but as a brother or a sister to be honored. And the call of the gospel, if you have a struggle, you desire homosexual relationship sexual activity outside of God's design bounds. The call of the gospel is to repent, to turn away from what is natural to you, to repent of your sin, and to follow Jesus in a new way of living. And when you do that, Jesus promises not just to make life miserable, but to give you things on the pathway home to heaven. Jesus promises to you a true intimacy You see, I want to just reiterate this. One of the great lies of our current sexual revolution is the lie that in order to have a full human life, you have to have sex however you need it and want it. In other words, a life without sexual fulfillment is not a life worth living. And that is absolute baloney. 
You know why? Because the fullest and freest human life ever lived was the life of Jesus Christ, the Son of God and the image of God incarnate, and he lived his entire life as a single celibate man. The fullest human life that the Christian story celebrates is the life of Christ, and he was not sexually active and lived a full and free human life. Because true intimacy isn't simply sexual intimacy. True intimacy is found in love of God and love of others. The church is a family. Family is intimacy. Brothers and sisters loving one another, that is intimacy. Our culture says intimacy is primarily sexual, and that is only one of the modes of love. Jesus promises to give you a true intimacy with himself and with his body, the church. But beyond that, Jesus offers to you a new identity, a true identity. In the LGBTQ movement, what we find is not just people petitioning to want to do an activity, but people wanting to label themselves with an identity that is orienting around their sexual preferences and sexual desires. A sexual identity, friends, is a very fragile identity compared to what Jesus offers you. Jesus offers you an identity that says, I am made new in Christ. I'm chosen by the Father. I am loved by the Son. I am sealed and filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm a son or daughter of the King of Heaven. Oh, Christian, listen to me. Do you want a label that is fragile? Or do you want a label that says, I'm loved by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Why would we demean ourselves by calling ourselves by a name that is inferior to the name of a person in Christ? There's a true identity beyond some sort of sexual label that Jesus offers. And Jesus offers you a true freedom. Right now, if you ask people in our culture, what does it mean to be truly free? They'll say, freedom is the ability to do whatever I would really like to do, as long as it doesn't really hurt somebody terribly, right? In that case, freedom is the freedom to do whatever I want to do. But in the Bible, in the life of Jesus, freedom is not the freedom to do whatever I want to do. Freedom is freedom to do what I ought to do. Freedom is the freedom to choose what is good. True freedom isn't living however I want. True freedom is living how God has designed me to live. And who the Son sets free is actually free indeed. There's a true freedom because what you'll find is when you think freedom is the freedom to do whatever you want, the Bible actually says doing whatever you want all the time, you end up in bondage. You end up in slavery to your desires. You don't end up free, you end up a slave. True freedom is when God sets you free from sin and self to live the life of love you were created to live. A true intimacy is given by Jesus. A true identity is given by Jesus. A true freedom is given by Jesus. And a true destiny is given by Jesus. The goal of your life is not simply your happiness in your 70 years on earth. God's purpose in your life is not so much to make you happy in this life, but to make you holy in this life, to prepare you for forever happiness in the life to come. And the true destiny in Jesus, he offers you a better hope and inheritance in heaven. Suffering is temporary, and that temporary suffering produces a character that will reap an eternal reward if you do not lose heart. So listen to me, friend. Jesus is offering to you freedom and forgiveness for your sin. And as you come to him, you'll receive a true intimacy, a true identity, a true freedom, and a true destiny. But I want you to hear me clearly. The goal of Jesus is not to deliver you from homosexuality to heterosexuality. 
salvation is not necessarily tied to a change in your sexual desires. I cannot make you a promise that your attractions will change following Jesus. He doesn't promise you that. In fact, knowing many friends who are walking with Jesus and struggling with same-sex attraction, I suspect for most, those desires won't foundationally change. Here's what I can tell you. Saying no to sin is worth it to follow Jesus. Jesus, though, isn't calling you to switch from feeling same-sex attraction to feeling heterosexual attraction. Jesus is calling you to turn from sin to follow him. He's tr- he wants to deliver you, not from homosexuality, but from unbelief. So go back to the rich young ruler story. He asked that young ruler to leave behind what he treasured. And he was extremely sad because he was very rich. But do you notice what Jesus said right after that? He said, It may seem impossible for you to leave your possessions behind. It may seem impossible for you to turn away from what you love so much. But Jesus says, "With What's impossible with man is possible with God. And then to Peter and all who had left all to follow him, he says, Truly there is no one who's left a house, a wife, brothers, sisters, parents, children, because of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times more at this time and in the eternal life to come. What does that mean? To the rich young ruler... Jesus isn't asking him to leave behind his possessions to give him nothing. He is saying, would you leave behind these temporary and trivial possessions because I want to give you the kingdom of God? So to my friend who may struggle with same-sex attraction, Jesus isn't asking you to leave behind homosexual lifestyle to give you nothing. He wants to give you the kingdom of God. He wants to give you his spirit. He wants to give you a life that is better. He's asking you, leave behind something that is a sick substitute to receive the goodness of God's kingdom. He wants to give you something better than what you want. He wants to give you himself. So some will object to that. Some of my friends, as I've shared that over the years, have objected and said, well, Mark, I get what you say, but I've met people who say, I can be a Christian and I can live as a homosexual, so why can't I just follow Jesus and live the way that I want? Well, for that, I want to appeal again for you to look back the last couple podcasts carefully, because we've tried to make a kind and gracious but firm argument that says the Bible is very clear that living in homosexual sin, in unrepentant homosexual sin, is forbidden by Jesus. If that is the case, then here's what you're saying. You're saying, Jesus, I want you, I want to follow you, but I want to keep doing what I want. That's equivalent to saying, Jesus, I want you to follow me. You see, following Jesus means keeping his commands. Jesus says it, if you love me, keep my commandments. So when we say, Jesus, I want to hear the clear teaching of Scripture, but just go my own way and do my own thing. No thanks, Jesus. I'll follow me. You can't simultaneously say, I want to be a follower of Christ and follower of self. It's incompatible. You don't get to pick and choose what you obey. 
That doesn't mean you will be perfect. That's not what we're saying. That doesn't mean you'll never struggle. People who love Jesus struggle with their sin. But it is saying the person who follows Jesus says, you're my Lord and my King, and when you say obey me, I say yes. So many will say, though, well, what does this look like, though? How can I be a Christian and struggle with these same desires? What would that even look like? And to that, I want to say, you need examples of what it looks like to live a faithful Christian life and be a person who may struggle with same-sex attraction. I've referenced some materials uh, for you throughout this podcast. I've referenced the materials of Sam Albury. Sam's story is he's a pastor who is living as a single celibate man because he struggled his entire life with same-sex attraction. Sam's story is a story of faithfulness with a struggle with same-sex attraction. And he, his story and many others like it, he shares on his website. It's called livingout.org, livingout.org. You want to see what it looks like to be a faithful Christian who struggles? Go to that website. Listen to some of the video testimonies. Hear what they're saying about how they can live faithfully. I've referenced the material by Christopher Yuan, whose book, Holy Sexuality, is the best book ever written on human sexuality from a Christian perspective. I, I mean that. Well, Christopher Yuan lived at, for years as a gay man. And his memoir, it's called Out of a Far Country, A Gay Son's Journey to God. He wrote that book with his mother. You need to read that book. Why? Because it's going to fill you with hope. This is a person who struggled deeply, as deeply as you can, and who has turned from sin to follow Jesus. You should read the story of Rosaria Butterfield, who was a queer studies professor at Syracuse, New York, living an active homosexual lifestyle, who gave her life to Jesus and has repented of her sins and is now following him. She's a Presbyterian pastor's wife and writes on this. You need the story of Jackie Hill Perry, her book, Gay Girl, Good God. You need to hear those stories. Why? Because you need to realize that you can live a full and beautiful and free life in Jesus, and you need to see examples of people who have taken the hard step to say, I'm going to follow Jesus, and who would tell you, I know what you feel, and I'm telling you it's worth it. You need to hear from people who've struggled like you struggle, but who say, follow Jesus, follow him. So, Sam Albury, Christopher Yuan, Rosaria Butterfield, Jackie Hill Perry. Those are people you can read their books and look at their blogs. The reason I say that is because in my life, so much of my desire to help people here was rooted out of walking with friends who turned from their desire to follow Jesus in this area of same-sex attraction and who've lived a beautiful, wonderful life, but they've had to figure out how to do that. And I want to say that finally to you today. If I were talking to someone struggling with same-sex attraction, I gave you some of the content I would want to share, but even more than that, I would want them to hear my heart. I'd want them to know you have the time and the space to figure this out that you have people who love you and who love Jesus who will walk with you in the messy, hard process and who can hear your difficult questions and who are not in a rush to run past you, but who just want to sit with you and hold your hand and be your friend. I would want you to see it in me, a person who would say, listen to Jesus, come to him, all you who are weary. He'll give you rest. He's offering you something better. It's so much better than what you would give up to follow him. And I would want you to hear 
not just the content of the gospel in what we share, but I would hope you would hear in me and in another Christian, a person who's not just trying to convert you from homosexuality to heterosexuality. I would hope you'd hear from us, a per- just you'd see in us the sort of heartbeat of a person who's saying, oh, I want to help you to turn, turn to Jesus because he's so good. And I'm willing to be patient and walk with you in that process. For all of us, that's what the Christian life looks like. It's, it's a stumbling, bumbling journey to turn from sin, to walk with Jesus on our journey home. And so I'm hoping that even just hearing some of this good news for people with same-sex attraction, people with disorder, heterosexual attraction, people with all sorts of sinful attraction, this is the good news of Jesus from you. He's offering you a chance to turn from your sin to get something so much better to get his spirit in this life and eternal life and the life to come, to experience forgiveness and freedom in life. It's the best news in all the world. And it's for you. Hear the call of Christ today. Turn from your sins to follow him.